Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. What do we do when we're jolted or surprised by an unforeseen event? Now, I know for, for all of us, we, you know, fight, flight, and freeze. We all respond differently to, to different stimuli, uh, different situations. Um, you know, but we are initially, we're, we kind of go through a shocked stage. We're surprised. We get angry. We get worried. We get scared, nervous. And anytime this happens, we ask that question, and it's phrased different ways, now what? Now what? What, what, do we, what do we do? What do I do with this? What next? What's, what's the next step? What's the next thing? I don't, I don't know how to do this. I, I, you know, through, through just life and everything, I don't know how many times I've said to Jaina, when it's a new thing, you know, it's one thing when you've experienced um, a surprise or some kind of jolt or something, you, you kind of know how to deal with it. You've processed it before. But when it's new... You, I would say to Jaina, because um, you go, are you okay? You really seem like you're having a hard time with this. And I would say something like, I don't have a box to put this in. You know, so when, when trauma happens, when something happens, if it's never been experienced by, by us before, we're trying to figure out how to, to navigate this situation. And, and if we don't have a box for it, we have a tendency of just really, some of us process really quickly, some slower, some, it looks like they've processed quickly, but really the wall's about to hit, right? It, it, they hit it maybe a little bit later. And so what we're going to be talking about today is now what? Because Easter's done. So Jesus has risen. The disciples are now live in a new reality. So they had their first, they're now what? Jesus is dead. And so now they're trying to process through. We didn't think it was going to happen this way. Now it is. Our Messiah is dead. What, what do we do? So they're working through this. And if you remember from last week, they didn't know he was going to raise from the dead, even though Jesus repeatedly told them. For whatever reason, there was a veil put over their eyes. They, they didn't comprehend what was going to happen. And so when he did raised from the dead. Now they have a new reality, and we're in the last chapter of John. Unfortunately, we had to skip a few to get to Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter, so we're just going to deal with it. You can read it on your own. So we're in John 21, okay? John chapter 21. So if you have your Bibles or your phone, you can go ahead and, and uh, turn right there. And so here, it's really a, um, an interesting time trying to figure out, now what? Now what? And, and just this week alone, and I was thinking about personal stories of just things that have happened randomly or in, in hard experience and some great experiences. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm married. Now what? Right? Uh, oh, we have a kid. Now what? Uh, oh my goodness, what, what do we do? I've got this new job. I have to move. Now what? I mean, I just got fired. Oh no, now what? I mean, all these different situations uh, that, that we're trying to to figure out, you know, I mean, and so this week alone, the amount of people that I talked to that were going through now what situations, and it's just life, isn't it? it it's, it's just life, and so in this room alone, some of you haven't even verbalized with people around you, and you are in these situations of now what, and so I pulled out 
three, and I'm sure there's more, and through Scripture, there's, it's, it's kind of a never-ending now what, um, but I pulled out three teachable moments from Peter about now what in John 21. So, so my prayer is that as we navigate this, that you will be able to maybe look at some of these situations, and if you're in a now what situation now, maybe they'll be applicable to you. If not, put them in your pocket for later because the now what situation will definitely come. I promise. So I know I haven't shared this story for a couple of years. I think I've let it breathe um, enough. But some of you know in my previous life, I've, I've worked in restaurants. That's how I met my wife. Um, I also, being from North Dakota, there, there, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of jobs available. You know? So I worked in grain elevators. I worked in bean plants. My cousins worked on the farm. So they, they did most of the good farm work and with with uncle and, and or with dad, and he's my uncle. And I worked in the elevators where all the grain and the um, beans and all the things came. And so I got to learn about being around trucks, being around um, trains that would come, and I learned to oper operate forklift. I used to, as a kid, I mean, teenage, well, I was a kid, I mean, you know, put in 110 pounds of bean bags, fill them up, and put them on pallets. I mean, it was hard, hard work and hard labor. And so when we moved to the city, or when I moved to the cities and, and I met Jaina and all of a sudden we had a child, there's something that happens. There's a now what? We're pregnant and you all of a sudden, it, there, God made us. So when all of a sudden you, you go, oh my goodness, I have a child. It's like, I must get a job. I must work. I don't know. You know, it, we were like, so my brother, he and his wife were, have been trying for years to have a baby. And just last week, they told us they're three months along and we're celebrating and we're so excited that, that, and they had gone through all sorts of treatment. And it, when they stopped doing the treatment is when they got pregnant. And he, <laughs> and all of a sudden he was like a couple months ago, he was looking for other jobs on top of his job. And I thought that was kind of weird. And now I'm like, of course. Now it makes sense. They got pregnant, and all of a sudden, the, I got a job, I need a job, because the God created us to start working and to do and to provide. It was starting to happen. So anyway, we're, we're okay, I'm not having a baby. My wife is going to have a baby, and I go back to what I knew, and all of a sudden, instead of me making just small amounts of money, I go back, and I'm driving a semi in the cities. And I'm driving for a road construction company because I did road construction when I was in North Dakota. So it, it was familiar. It was familiar to me. And so I got behind the semi and I was working crazy long hours. And those of you who know, your first year of, of marriage isn't always the easiest. At least it was, uh, to, I found out surprisingly that it wasn't as easy for her as it was for me. And, I would, and on top of that, I was working 80 plus hours a week working for this road construction company. And so when I, I was thinking, okay, I can, I can drive a semi and I can, I can move gravel around. And so the thing is, though, is I learned to operate a lot or drive a lot of the equipment when I was in North Dakota. And when I, when I got hired on, they put me on this thing called a low boy. It scared just the tar out of me because we were paving tar roads. Get that joke? Okay. And so... 
this huge long trailer with big ramps that go down and you put wide load flags in the side of the trailer and you load up rollers, road graders, bulldozers. It was a fun job. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's one of the best jobs I've ever had. Still to this day, I would load up the equipment, they would tell me where to go, I would go drop it off, job well done. Let me tell you, that was fulfilling. It really was. I knew what I had to do. I knew how I had to get there. I dropped it off. I didn't have people telling me anything. I could just be alone with talk radio. It was brilliant. And so life was good. I was working too much. It was hard on our marriage. Um, and then I wasn't super familiar with the cities or especially downtown. And my, my normal boss was out of town and so somebody was filling in, and he said, okay, this is the address of where you need to go. This was before Google Maps. We had a big Twin Cities map that you had to page through and learn how, oh, it was crazy. And so you talk about distracted driving with your big binder. So here I am. I'm, I'm driving into Minneapolis. I am scared. I, I'm from rural Podunk, North Dakota. I, I do not belong downtown. But now I have a road grader a giant road grader on the back of my semi. And so it's nighttime, so there's no traffic, and he told me where to go. It seemed like on the map the best route to take. And I turn on Broadway, going into northeast Minneapolis. Does anyone know where this is going? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How many of you know before you get to that big, beautiful Mississippi River, there's a 13 and 1-inch foot black bridge right when you get down that hill how many of you can picture it right now when you go under it i want you to look up and think pastor dale smash that road grader right so i'm i'm going down the hill i'm i i like in third gear i'm stepping on it and i'm going down and i am on my way i didn't put a picture up this time because i still get anxiety about this and i'm on my way down and i look and it says 13 feet on the yellow sign, and I hadn't been paying attention right when I turned down, and I'm, a, I'm about to slam on my brakes, and I look in my, my side mirrors, and I see cars right at the back of, my, back of my semi, and I had gained enough speed that I thought, if I slam on my brakes, I'm going to kill somebody, and so I had a split-second decision to make. Do I slam on the brakes and chance that I injure somebody, or do I just... Say, all right, Lord, let's step on it. Well, you know what I did? I stepped on it. And I plowed through that bridge. <laughs> and I learned later that this is a very dangerous thing to do. Um, I, my boss told me that you always stop. He said, you, if, if it stops abruptly, your, your semi-tractor trailer will jump up and it'll smash you against the bridge. So I'm thanking the Lord that that didn't happen. But here now, I plow through this bridge. I didn't, at this point, I didn't look at any of the cars behind me. I ignored them, and I stepped on it, now going across the bridge, and I am now, my heart is coming through my mouth. I'm losing my mind, not to mention that the cab that just pushed down had forced it into reverse. So now it's making that beep, beep, beep sign, sound on my trailer. So I know I did a really good job because it couldn't even move. I had 
I put it down. Three points of contact. I did it right. So I, this thing was secured on my trailer. I pull into a northeast um, little kind of warehouse area, and now my beeping is echoing through northeast Minneapolis, and I am, I, I am just a mess. Now what? What on earth do I do now? I call my boss. At that time, the operator, what do I do? He said, you need to get back here. And I'm like, I don't want to drive in for the rest of my life. Light rail, here I come. You know, I, 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 am, I am so scared. So I have to drive it back to Eden Prairie. And somehow I, I find enough um, grit somewhere down in there that didn't wash away somewhere. And, and now I, I get back to, Mini, or to, to Eden Prairie. I get it into the yard. And I, I go home and I I don't know if you remember this. I just collapsed on the floor of our apartment and I just laid there. I didn't want to move. I was dirty, I was smelly, and I'm laying on the floor and I'm done. I want to quit. I don't want to move forward. I'm just numb. I, I can't do anything. And I told Jane, I am not going into work tomorrow. I'm not. Well, what happens? Next morning I get a phone call. You need to come to work. I'm like, no. And they go, well, first of all, you need to go get a drug test to make sure, because insurance is not going to cover this $30,000 worth of damage until we know that you were drug-free. So I went, I passed church, don't worry. And then I said, I'm going home. Now I'm going home. And he said, no, you're not. I need you. We don't have enough drivers. You need to go pick up this piece of equipment and you need to go bring it over here. And I'm like, oh, oh. And so now I'm going back, and now I'm dealing with the humiliation of everybody seeing my damage now in the middle of the yard. Everybody knows who did it, and it's now me having to deal with the fact that I am the guy. And then I go and pick up my first piece of equipment. Wouldn't you guess what I had to move? Oh, yeah. The exact, exact piece of equipment. So now I'm driving a road grader that I'm absolutely fearful of, a semi that I don't want to drive, and I'm, I kid you not, under every bridge on the highway, I'm pulling over on the side and inching under it like this because I was so scared. Now, this is one of those now what situations. What do I do? How do I move forward? How? This is, this is devastating. The, my anxiety it was through the roof. How on earth can I move forward with this situation? Dealing with now coworkers that know the embarrassment of that. Am I going to lose my job? Fearful of now taking care of my family. These are hard, hard decisions. And even though my operator should have told me a different route to take, it was my fault. It was my fault. I missed the sign. John chapter 21, starting at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And some of your Bibles will say uh, Tiberias because that, the, the Sea of Galilee was like 12 miles long, 7 miles wide. Beautiful, beautiful sea with beautiful mountains around it. There were cities being developed right on it. This was, wasn't just a small, you know, lake that you go to to cast some rods. These are for experienced fishermen. And so Nathaniel from, um, from Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the other two disciples were together. And Peter declares, I'm going fishing. 
which a lot of people here said, amen. And then they said, we're going with you. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? And they answered, no. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of a large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, we all know this as who? John. said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples uh, followed in the boat, towing the net of full fish. They were not far from shore, about 100 yards when they landed, they saw a fire burning coals with, a fish, with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They threw it, or they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to him, and they did the same with the fish. So they're on this enormous sea, one that they're very used to, one that, that Jesus called them from. So this is a, a very similar experience for when Jesus came on shore and called them as disciples, and they threw the net over, caught a huge amount of fish, and now it's all happening again. This time, though, Jesus looks a little bit differently. And what's really interesting, and something that I think is really good for us to remember, is that just as they cast the net over the, over the boat, and they were listening to this man, that John did not recognize it was the Lord until the miracle happened. Until the miracle happened. And the moment that the fish were in the net, and they started pulling up, John immediately declared, it is the Lord. Now, what's so interesting about this is we start to see a dynamic of two different personalities here and some that are really reflected in this place. John is the feeler. He's the lover. He's the seer. He's the teacher. Peter is the doer. So John recognizes and he declares, it is the Lord. Peter waits. Only thing he waits for is to put his something to cover himself, and he dives in. And we, we see this with them over and over again. During when they discovered that Jesus had risen from the dead, we know and we joked about that John the Baptist, the youngest, had to make sure that he wrote in the gospel that he was the fastest. He outran Peter, but when he got there, it says that Peter was the first one in. He, he was not the one that actually went in. Peter, so many times, was the first one to act the first one to grab his sword and cut off somebody's ears. He was the one to get out, get in front, and to fight. And so we see these different personalities in here, but there's also a promise in this, is that when God tells you to throw your net overboard, he is going to fill your net. And we need to recognize that it was the Lord. When we see that net being filled, that we say, thank you, Jesus. It was truly the Lord let us never in our own might take credit for what God is doing. Which is why that points out in Scripture, it says, and the nets were not torn. Pointing out that it was a miraculous catch and it was a miracle from God. It's very, very fascinating. And let's just say, hey, men, 
Jesus loved to cook. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to cook. It's very masculine to cook. But it's also, what a picture. What a picture for, for Jesus calling them is sitting there and he is providing a meal like we're going to have in our last day. The last day when there is a supper provided for all the people that are there in heaven with Christ. So first of all, we're going to go and look at our first teachable moment. Could you go to our, our uh, first slide for me, please? Go back to work until God tells you otherwise. What next? What do I do now? So many, and this is in your bulletin I, if, if you uh, want to take notes. There's so many of us that are trying to figure out what do we do now? What do we do next? And in this situation with Peter, he did what he knew to do. And, and I, I, I probably have even talked about this here, and I think I even spoke about it as a negative way, but I'm changing my mind. I can change my mind. And I'm changing my mind about this, because initially, it's kind of like looking and seeing Peter was kind of going back to his old lifestyle. He's kind of going back to what he was before Christ. But here's the thing. He already knew that Jesus had risen. He had seen him twice before. This is now the third time. He, he was there when they put their hands in the side, and when Thomas, and they had all these interactions. Peter's a doer. He's doing what he does naturally. And he went back to what he knew. I had a situation. We had a baby. Guess what I did? I went back to what I knew to do until God tells you otherwise. And in this situation, he went back what he knew to do. And God came and started sharing with him otherwise. To further illustrate this was a conversation Jane and I had with somebody just this week. We were at uh, the District Council of the Assemblies of God in, um, in uh, Emmanuel Christian Center. And um, we, we were talking with a missionary, and I'm going to just call him Dr. Phil because it sounds like I know somebody really, um, really famous. Uh, so Dr. Uh, Phil Mayo was there, and we were like, hey, and he's been to our church before. He's, he's come to visit us, a professor there uh, in, in the Bible and theology department. And uh, they used to be missionaries in, in uh, Paris. And um, he said, I, I think Jolene and I are going to be missionaries again. I'm like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? And he started to share that we didn't renew our contract and the school let us free from this at North Central University. And we're like, this is incredible, wow. And, and, and we're just celebrating with them. And he said, we're just, we're just going. And he said, this is my philosophy. And I'm like, okay, I'm grabbing a pen and paper from this wise man of God who's been teaching for years. And he said, I take silence as a yes. And I went, what? And he said, we're going to do what we know to do until God tells us differently. And we're doing what the Lord has put in our hearts to go and to become missionaries once again. And we haven't heard, there wasn't a choir at the foot of their bed when they woke up saying, hallelujah, this is where you're going. You know, it wasn't like that. It was for them, it was they are going forward with what they know to do, they are going to work with what the Lord has put on their heart, and they are taking the silence as yes until God tells them otherwise. And so I want to encourage you today, if you are in a now what situation, I don't want you to sit. I don't want you to get stuck. I want to encourage you to get up, 
to put the next foot forward, to, if it's, if it's a job that you open up those online things, you start calling people that you know, you start getting busy. If it's, hey, I don't like this job, you go back to your job, you work, you do what you, what you know to do until God tells you otherwise, okay? Can you put up my uh, picture? This is just to help us. Yes, when you're at work trying to stay positive, even though your face might look like this, you go and you do it anyway until God tells or directs or brings you into a different direction. Okay, let's go to another one. Humble yourself before God and man. I can tell you for me, it was very humbling and it would have been really easy not to show back up at work. And in this situation that we have with Peter, this is, and we're going to end on this, so I'm not um, going to be diving into this too much, but we see Peter, this is the famous chapter of, of Peter being reinstated. What do you mean reinstated? If you remember, when after Jesus' arrest, he'd cut off the ear, all these things, Jesus healed, put the ear back on the man, and here we have Peter denying Jesus publicly, three times. And it's almost like this situation was set up only for Peter to be reinstated in front of the other disciples. Because potentially, there could have been a huge problem with this group saying, Peter, you have no clout anymore. You have no reason to be one of us because you denied our Lord and our Savior. And said, here Jesus shows up on the shore cooks them a meal, provides a, an amazing miracle of 153 fish, and then he says, Peter, do you love me? And, and of course, Peter's saying, well, Lord, you know this. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times, just as Peter denied Jesus three times. And we're going to come back to that because we're going to end on that today. But Peter had to humble himself. He was the oldest. He was the one with wife and kids and here he had to have this moment with Jesus. It was intimate, but it was also difficult. And so many of us have to humble ourselves. In Proverbs 8.13, it says that God hates pride and arrogance. He hates it. He can't work with us when we are prideful. It also says in, in Proverbs, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Pride people and arrogant people are not going to be listening to advice. 1 John 2.16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes from not the Father. When we are prideful, when we are arrogant, this is the spirit of the world. And we need to recognize it and say, this is not the Spirit of God, and I need to pray about this. Could you uh, put my, my beautiful meme up for this one, please? Eat humble pie. Impossible. Humble pie does not exist. I just like this one, so you just have to deal with it. <laughs> we all know, right? We've all worked with people who just, they cannot see themselves as doing any wrong. They, they, they are so arrogant. They always have a, a word for you, but they'll never actually apply it to themselves. And we see here with, with Peter, we have to be 
people that are willing to humble ourselves and to submit ourselves to authority. And here in this situation, submit in himself before God in front of others. Lastly, this is really my favorite. Um, you know, sometimes you kind of come on to things and you're like, wow, Jesus, you were really pretty, pretty crazy there. And so if we read here, starting at verse 18, it's uh, John 21, starting at verse 18, Jackie. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the type of death in which Peter would glorify God. And then he looked at Peter and said, follow me. So in this situation, Jesus just prophesied the death of Peter. This was, was hard. And so now he was just reinstated. Things are going well. But yet Peter is now uncomfortable because he's just being told that he's not going to have a very pretty um, rest of his life. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, of course, being John, was following them. And, it, and this is that intimate moment. It's, this is inserted and it says that this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? This is, of course, the gospel of John, the most intimate gospel that we have because he had such a close relationship with Jesus. In verse 21, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Man, how many times are we like, Lord, what about them? Why is it so hard for us? Look at them. And they're living like this. What about them? Could you put up my, uh, my slide, please, for this third one? What is it to you, Jesus said? So this is uh, Pastor Dale's translation. Mind your own business. You can go ahead and put up my slide for this one. I mean, Jesus is literally saying... How about a cup of mind your own business? Honestly, this is what Jesus just said to Peter. Now, I, as much as, as, as easy it is to throw Peter under the bus in this situation, man, I'm so happy for Peter because isn't it just like me? Uh, not you, of course. This is me that, man, I'm doing so well. Man, I'm hearing from the Lord. Things are going well. Bam, bam, bam. Next thing you know, Hey, what about them, God? And Jesus goes, hey, mind your own business. You know, and it's like, again, being humbled before God. So let's, uh, let's just look through these really quick again. One, th so three teachable moments from Peter about now what? What do we do? Go back to work until God tells you otherwise. They went fishing. This is what they knew to do. And God went and told them otherwise redirected them, got them on the right path. Because now what do we do, right? Number two, humble yourself before God and men and women. We need to humble ourselves to know that if we want to be used by God, we cannot be so prideful and arrogant. Let's be used by God, okay? And then thirdly, what is it to you? Mind your own business. I'm going to, um, I'm, the way that we're going to end today is I'm going to um, direct you as Jesus did Peter when he reinstated him.
And I just think that there's something powerful when we put our names in the places of, of other um, people that we find in Scripture. So would you please stand? So like Peter was reinstated, we too have be, been reinstated by God. We too have gone our own way. We too have, have sinned. We too have fallen short of the glory of Jesus Christ. And just as Jesus stood on that shore and looked at Peter and said, do you love me? He reinstated them just as he has reinstated us. Amen? And we, we get to receive the forgiveness of Christ our Lord. So here we go. So um, I'm just going to say name, and you say your own name, okay? Because I obviously can't say your names. So your name, so Dale, do you truly love me more than these? Say, yes, I know. You know that I love you. Jesus says to you, feed my lambs. So say your name. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Say your name again. Do you love me? It's interesting, at that point he says, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus says, and I'm going to say to you, feed my sheep and follow me. There's a lot of us that are feeding on things that are not of God. What, are, what, are, what is Jesus telling Peter to feed people? The message of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message, his, the body and the blood of our risen Savior. This is what we are feeding on and so many of us are trying to fill our lives with something outside of who Christ is. We're trying to feed ourselves with things that will never fill us. And that's why Jesus said, this will feed you. This is everlasting life for you. So when, when we're hearing the feed my sheep, we're asking the question, am I feeding on what God has directed us to feed on, which is him? which is his word, which is prayer, which is fellowship with one another, that we are, are feeding on the giver of life. Your relationship with Jesus means everything to us. The way that you look at your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, that's what I want you to be thinking all the time. Your relationship with Jesus means everything to me because you'll treat them differently when you think of it that way. When you are nourished by the bread of life, you and I will hunger and thirst no more. This week, a lot of, a lot of big celebrations. We've got the Avengers. We've got the NFL draft happening. I mean, some huge celebrations. At the same time, you have a lot of other now what's happening. Some of these people are saying, now what? I'm, I'm a multimillionaire overnight playing a sport I've dreamt about playing my whole life. They're, they've got a bunch of now what's to fill. There were three black churches burned down to the ground in the South. Just what, in the last week, over 300 people, Christians in Sri Lanka, 
that were bombed and killed, their churches gone, they were killed over Holy Week, just like that. I was at an ethnic pastor's um, lunch on Thursday evening because I look so ethnic. And really, I'm trying to learn as a church on how we can reach more people in our community and have just made some great relationships. And one of the pastors there, Pastor Ernest from India, was sharing that he has, he, he knows people there in Sri Lanka. And he said that in, in one of the classrooms, there were 60 kids who had just stood up and declared that they would stand for Jesus no matter what. 60 kids. And he said, within moments, 40 of them were dead. And he said they were literally saying and doing. There was huge shock and disruptions happening. And we cannot forget where people are. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters, even in our own country. This is, this is unconscionable. And, and I know, you know, it's not really a fun way to end a service because it's really easy for us to live our lives and, and not think about what other people are going to, but it sure matters when it hits our front door, doesn't it? It's, I've had some difficult conversations with people in my family and, and there are times that, you know, when something would happen here in the United States, they would be like, oh, you know, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And I, I agree, Jesus is coming. There's no doubt about it. But I would also remind them, it's interesting that you feel like Jesus is coming when your world's being shaken, but not theirs. And we need to stand up with and for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Feed my sheep. Jesus is telling you, feed my sheep. Follow me. When the Lord provides opportunities for you, I pray that you feed his sheep. Are you willing to say that prayer? Lord, provide opportunities so I can feed your sheep. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for opportunities for people in our church I pray for opportunities for them to share their testimony, for them to share what you've done for them. Lord, I pray that, that we are a people that are looking outside of ourselves. Help us to lift up our brothers and sisters in prayer, Lord Jesus, as we know they are praying for us as well. Lord, I pray that if we don't know what to do, that we just put our hands back on the plow and we begin to work until you tell us otherwise. Help us to be humble, O oh God. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you help us to mind our own business along the way. We have enough of our own issues to deal with. Lord, I pray that you join us. I pray that you walk with us. Help us to minister one to another. I pray that you welcome in our new members as part of our church family. And Lord, I pray that, that each member and each attender here, Lord, is just moved upon in a mighty and powerful way, Lord. Touch your people, and may we not leave this place the same. In your holy name we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.